0: Welcome to College Street Victory Church. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Why don't we give the Lord a big old clap? Come on, you got energy this morning. Wake yourself up, help yourself up. For all you incredible women that were at this past weekend, wow. Thank you for letting a couple males in there, myself included. I felt like us women. Come on, we my wife told me last night she you said us ladies yesterday. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I just started melting. I think I cried a couple times, my estrogen level rose. It was awesome. Man, you women make us better men. Is that, man, you guys are just incredible humans. Um, your pastors are heroes. And I say that because heroes are people that, um, it doesn't have the biggest background, but they're people that have the biggest imagination and level of commitment to improve people. And I think they can come from all different shapes and sizes and backgrounds and colors and ethnicities. But when they are people who put themselves on the line for other people, that other people can live up in a down world. And they just step outside of themselves. And I love that about your pastors. And I think heroes decide your energy, your endurance, and your experience. And when you have people in your life, everybody needs heroes in their life. People they can look up to that aren't perfect, but they go, man, they're doing life. They love people at a higher level. They give at a higher level. How many of you get around those kinds of people? You want to be better. They sharpen you. They deepen you. They ripen you. And they stir some of the great things that are in you. So I love that about your pastors. I met them in, where was it at? Okotoks? Lethbridge, like I said. Uh... Hey, you got to give me a little bit of grace. I was counting. This is my 30th now speech in about 38 days. So, uh, in a bunch of states and countries. So, um, a little bit of grace as I start here this morning. I did the early morning. I said he did, he did a meeting at 7 a.m. this morning. And I said, I'm, Yeah, I'm in. Count me in. I've had like five hours sleep, but let's go. Come on. We had an awesome meeting, but this is going to be good. Um, But I really love, I met them and I love that they had a heart to serve people. and They wanted more from people, for people's lives than they were looking to take. And that's sometimes hard to find in our world. And I really say that I've spoken now for 25 years, 48 different countries, millions of people around the world, about 30,000 people in the last maybe four weeks face to face. And you very rarely find people that are so committed to seeing other people improve in their areas of life that matter most, and your pastors are those people, and they care about people. It's an honor and privilege to be here today. We can be in a lot of different platforms by the grace of God, only by the grace of God. It's a privilege to be at this platform today because you're standing with people that are living the Jesus style. And give them a, pat, give them a big old clap. Yeah. And then uh, before I speak... Uh, my wife wrote a really good book. It's called Warrior Heart. It's really, really good. We want to give this away. Is that anybody's birthday? Anybody's birthday? Oh, you're pointing. Someone's getting pointed. What's that? Who are we pointing out? She doesn't want to be. She's like, no, not me. But I want it to be me. But no, not me. I love that false humility. It's awesome. <laughs> Joking. Can we give this to you today for your birthday? My wife wrote a book. It's your birthday today? What was you, Okay, I love it. You're, who, are you, who are you pointing out, my love? Her husband. Okay. Well, happy birthday to you as a family. Can we give it to you guys as a family? Is that fair? Can you run it up there? Yes, they're about halfway up the road. There you go. All right. Give a happy birthday to you. What's that? Yeah, take it and run. I love it. Absolutely. What's that? Thank you. I love you. You know what I love is you're always so happy. Every time I see you, you're always smiling. Thank you for making all of our lives better. Just keep smiling and make a difference. You're going to preach with me today? Come on, girl. I like your style. Come on. Give me your juice. I'm with you. I'm with you. I feel you. I feel you. If you have your Bible, go with me to John chapter 5. It's on the right-hand side. Some people like to look at their Bible online. Some people like to look at it on their phone. I like to still carry a Bible. I like to write in it. I like to mess mine up. I buy a Bible usually once a month because I'm traveling all the time, so I like to put new notes in it and discover what God's saying to me. The title of my speech today, um, message to you, is Stepping Out of Stuck. Someone say, step out of stuck. I don't know if you're familiar with, but it's a famous U2 song. It was a Grammy award-winning song, and it was called Stuck in a Moment You Can't Get Out of, and the song went you've got to get yourself together because you got stuck in a moment now you can't get out of it don't say that later we'll be better don't say that later we'll be better you got stuck in a moment and you can't get out of it ah. man i love you oh lord help me um yes (laughs) thank god grace um but isn't it true that over the last three years you found yourself at different times stuck in moments moments of uncertainty moments of doubt moments of debt moments of concern moments of fear and moments and some people have got so stuck in those moments that those moments have become a manner of life they become a lifestyle and it's become the story someone's lived, and they keep recycling that thing over and over and over. And I find that you can't change your future till you're willing to disrupt your present. Let me say that again: you can't change the future till you disrupt the present. And oftentimes, we're waiting for God, and God's waiting for us. And I say that is God can't take steps we're not willing to take. It's like asking someone to do your push-ups for you. Come on. It's like asking someone to write the book that you want to write. It's asking somebody up to open the business that you've called. I believe God, what we want God to do for us, he often wants to do with us. And faith is not so much convincing God to go big in your life, it's just joining God in a life that's bigger than the one that you currently have. And it's growing with him. But it demands that we don't stay stuck in moments where we feel powerless. And I said this yesterday, and I'm going to intro this this well, start it today. Powerlessness is the sense of all negative emotion. It's the root of all negative emotion. If you feel powerless to change your past, you feel guilty and condemned. How many know, by the way, you're a product of your past, but you don't have to live as a prisoner of it? Anybody with me on that? Aren't you glad that God offers grace to make things new? Half of you believe that. The other half should believe that. Come on, because all y'all need a little bit of help. Come on, I don't matter how cute you are. If you feel powerless to change your future, you feel scared, worried, concerned. You feel powers to change your present. You can feel guilty. You can feel depressed, angry. All those negative emotions stem from the sense of there's not much I can do about my life, past, present, or future. When you start to look at your life, whether they be allergies or a diagnosis or diabetes or the economy or your finances or a relationship situation, and you feel like anything you do is not going to be able to make a difference, you start to accept a weak life. There's a lot of people right now that are the most powerful people in the world. I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about government officials. I'm talking about people that have accepted Christ, the living God, and God has put his spirit in you. That's a deep thought. God's DNA is on the inside of you, and so many people, though, are feeling powerless that I can't change things, and they're the most powerful people in the world. Maybe that's why God would send oftentimes prophets throughout the Scripture and said, wake up the mighty men, the mighty women that are sleeping. That they would awaken to who i say they are awaken to what they can do and awaken to what i give them rights to do even when challenging circumstances are happening in the world because how many of you know the world's not going to get any brighter just hoping it's going to get brighter how many know the governments are not going to get a little bit easier just because we want them to so that's going to be a really powerful move that we're going to be able to have to say, you know what, I'm going to have to emerge out of this place of sense of powerlessness and step into the power that God gave me. The Bible says God gave you a spirit of power. 2 Timothy 1.7. Some of you don't believe that. Some of you do. Someone say, I have a spirit of power. Think about that. The only change, your life's way too precious to leave in the hands of other people to determine how great your life is this year. Justin Trudeau does not care about how great your life is this year. He's making deals with or without your permission, in case you haven't figured that out. How many owe your health, your economy, your life, your family, your love, your relationship, your intimacy, that it's too precious to leave in the hands of other people's opinion to determine what it becomes that I need in this moment of my life to really lead my life and step out of things that I'm stuck in so I just don't lease it and let other people's ideas determine how I live? How many know your faith can make your world a lot different if you decided to? In fact, maybe not step out of stuck. Maybe it's to me, it's up to you. What if God said that it was up to you? And I'm going to get into this story today and you're going to like this. But I say that as an intro because if I grow, if I speak across the world and I'm in all different people's backgrounds, I was speaking for all kinds of business people a couple weeks ago with psychics and shamans and all kinds of new age people. And yes, the power of God showed up and people got healed just like it's going to happen today to church. Yeah, for real, it'll happen aren't you shocked is it are you shocked if it happens no i'd be shocked if it didn't we're going to talk about the god of the bible the living one the real one he's alive he ain't dead he's not alive when you say jesus it's not like a little rabbit's foot on the edge of a key come on somebody hoping something might good might happen come on I'm not talking about all i'm not talking about confucius i ain't talking about joseph smith i'm talking about one man that's split time bc and ad his name's jesus he's alive your god So if you have your Bible, John chapter 5, here we go. All right, here we are. That was my little intro. You're going to like it. It says this. I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible. It says, now there is in, later on, there was a feast, a Jewish festival, for which Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem a pool near the Sheep Gate. That sounds funny to say. Now the pool is called, in the Hebrew language, Bethesda. Someone say Bethesda. Say it like you got energy. Say Bethesda. Okay, just so you know, that means house of mercy or grace. Give you an idea. In these, there's five porches or doorways. In these lay a great number of sick people. Some are blind, some are crippled, some are paralyzed, and they're waiting for the stirring up of the water. For an angel of the Lord would go down at appointed seasons into the water and stir up the water. Whoever then first stepped in after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he was afflicted. There was a certain guy there who had been there and suffered with a deep-seated lingering disorder 38 years. Someone say a long time. Jesus, noticing them lying there, knowing he'd been in that condition a long time, said, do you want to become well? What an interesting question to ask somebody that's been sick for 38 years, almost four freaking decades. Do you want to become well? Touch the person next to you and say, do you want to get well? Ooh, this is going to be good. In the parentheses of my Bible, it says, are you really determined or earnest to get well? The invalid said, sir, I have no man to put me in the water when the it's all stirred up. But while I'm trying to get there, somebody else steps in ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Someone say, rise, take up my bed and walk. In verse nine, and I'm going to continue on. It says, instantly the man became well and he recovered his strength that's where you're about to go today come on he recovered his strength he took up his bed what he'd been lying on and he walked and that day was the sabbath what's interesting is jesus shows up at the celebration of life he shows up at a festival a time to celebration elation time of excitement and if you notice the pattern of jesus jesus loved the party if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, you always find him at a celebration, a party where things were happening. People were excited. He loved to be where there was atmosphere where people gathered to celebrate, to enjoy, to rejoice. He would go to Zacchaeus and say, Zacchaeus, come down that big old tree. I want to go have a party at your house. Everybody else despises you, but I want to go celebrate with you. Lazarus, I want to raise you from the dead. We're going to do Thanksgiving. Come on, Canadian Thanksgiving in October. We're going to do it at your crib. Matthew, you're a despised tax collector. I want to have a party at your house. Go and invite all your knucklehead friends. I want to hang out with them. Jesus loved to celebrate. He actually came from a very happy place. That's why it always shocks me that people that sometimes represent the God the most, they're always so either serious or they're downcast. Many aren't experiencing the celebration of life because of exhaustion in life. They're exhausted by regret and resentment. Come on, holding on to the hurt rather than releasing it. Revisiting the past where we nurse, curse, and rehearse it rather than dispersing the past so that God can reverse it. That was cliche and good, yeah. But let's stay with the point. Jesus showed up at the celebration of life, and so should you. To celebrate means to make an event out of. How many know you can't wait tomorrow to wake up in the morning to see what kind of day you're going to have determined by how you feel? At some point, you're going to have, if I'm going to really live the God life, the joy life, and one-third of God's kingdom is joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy are the three pillars of the kingdom. When you go to heaven, people are going to be rejoicing. They're not going to have like the quiet people section. Oh, they're shy. Bull. There ain't no shy people in heaven. People did not stay shy when they encountered Jesus. They leaped, walked, and shouted, and praised God. Because no matter how they started, they ended different because he showed up. When you get to heaven, people are going to be, oh, that's the morbid sex. They're really, they're they're deep in thought and trying to, come on, that's going to be a celebration. I don't know about you. That excites me. Come on. You're going to actually walk on streets of real gold. I said this yesterday. If you had a problem with abundance or prosperity, heaven's not for you. What are you going to do, God? You should not be spending money on this. That's so ungodly. Hello it is who I am. I think big. There's a 100 billion stars, galaxies that you haven't even thought about. He's a big thinker. That's why you can't hang out with God and be negative. You can't tell me you know God and walk with God and be all negative. It don't work. Why? Because when you get around God, he's highly positive about negative situations. He is a God of all hope. How is the God of all hope going to be all negative? complaining you don't see God complaining come on the Bible says you should laugh like he does at destruction God laughs at his enemies. Psalm 2 said he laughs at wickedness because he knows it won't continue on that he's got the final say you would do yourself well to start laughing and rejoicing and make a decision that I'm gonna enjoy my life no matter what's going on Jesus said no man can take your joy from you in John 16 only you can give it away what are you giving your joy away to and the level of your joy is the level of your strength. Stop letting the devil feel like he's winning because you won't rejoice. Well, he's going through way too much. You know, Rudy left me about eight years ago. Hello, it's freaking eight years ago. <laughs> I don't mind if you grieve for a year, but don't get stuck in a spirit of grief that your whole life's become of somebody left you a long time ago and you're stuck in your then when you're living in your now. You become a forward person but you're stuck on backward thoughts. That was good. <laughs> I love you, come on. You guys are awesome. Paul the apostle said this in Acts chapter 20. He said, "I know everywhere I go, I'm going full of the Holy Spirit to speak the gospel of Christ. They're going to beat me. They're going to throw me in jail. They might stab me. They stone me. He got stoned what, 3 times. One time he was dead and was resurrected." But he stoned three times, seven-hour stonings. They started from your foot all the way to your head, big boulders. It wasn't one rock to the head. And he said, I know that that awaits me, but none of these things move me. I'm going to finish my course, but I'm not just going to finish my destiny. I'm going to do it with joy. You want to give the enemy a heart attack in your family? You want to change and shift the atmosphere of your home? Say, you know what? No matter what you throw at me, no matter what my bank account says, no matter how I feel in my body, I'm going to make a decision because life and death, blessing or cursing have nothing to do with what I'm going through, has everything what I decide. You're not what you feel. You're what you decide. I'm going to finish my course. Someone say, I'm going to finish my course. Come on, I didn't come this far just to come this far. No false finish lines on my end. I'm going to finish my course, but I'm going to do it with joy. You can't beat it out of me. I'm going to live my life and enjoy it. Why should you do that? Because as C.S. Lewis said, happiest people on the earth should be believers in Christ. You have an eternal hope. I should be rejoicing all the time. They should say, hey, do you mind calming down? In fact, some of you should throw off your own local Starbucks. Every time you just go in, just smile and be full of energy. What's wrong with you? Are you okay? People always ask me, like, Are you, do you take, like, a happy pill? Do you not go through stuff on the planet? Oh, my gosh. No, I've already situated and made up my mind. I'm going to rejoice and enjoy my life. There was an old gentleman that was being taken into a like a facility for retirement an old post home, and he was going to go in. And they were telling him and describing the room. He was 92 years old. He didn't see very well. And they're saying there's chairs, are all these things. And he stopped the lady as she was taking him down the hallway to the place he would eventually see. He says, oh, I don't need you to tell me about it. I've already made up my mind. I'm going to love it. And she said, but you haven't seen it yet. And he said, oh, it doesn't matter whether I've seen it or not. I've already arranged my mind that this is going to be a great place for me to enjoy my life at this season. It doesn't determine somebody. Come on. I'm not what I feel, I'm what I decide. Second of all, you could be full of praise and thanksgiving. How many know Jesus never got nervous when his buddy Lazarus was dead? Five loaves and two fish in his hand. He said, thank you, and then he commanded. How different would your prayer life look trying to convince God out of anxiety to help you? And if we change it from anxiety to anticipation just by saying, thank you, God, for who you are. Who is he to you? To me, he's a healer. I got a wife that's alive today because he's a healer. I got a child that he's a creator because they said we could not have a child, so we decided to have a child. Yeah. My wife has a titani- titanium valve in her heart. Impossible to have a pregnancy. Tried to get us to terminate. But God said, no, 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 no. He's a creator. I can look. Who is he to you? Is he a healer to you? Is he a victory to you? Is he your righteousness? Is he your deliverer? Is he your provider? Is he a way Who is he to you? Who he is to you will who he be through you. Let me say that again. Who he is to you will be who he is through you. Come on, even as Pastor Morrison and Lucinda taught us over the years, I, I honor you because you've taught us this very thing. Psalm 91, it says, I will say of the Lord, David said. I will say of the Lord. What will you say of the Lord? He's my refuge. He's my hiding place. He's my peace. He's my deliverer. Somebody holler at me for a minute. Come on, who is he to you? He's your hope, your savior, your deliverer. Come on. He's your support, your strength, your peace of mind. And then it says, I will say of the Lord, then he will. Oh, could there be a link? But what you say God is and thank him for who he is, and then he will. When you don't tell him who he is, maybe he won't perform as well as he wants to. How many of your kids get excited when you tell them that they're rock stars? Come on. They're dreamers. Oh, my gosh, you're Batman. And then they start taking on the come on the characteristics of Batman. You're Wonder Woman. Come on. You're this, you're that. Come on, you're Paw Patrol, whatever it is. You know what I mean? You're rebel on the double. Come on, chase on the case. Don't act like I don't pay attention to culture. What happens? You're Sheriff Callie, and then they start acting like it. They totally shiv your dog mixed stuff they come alive. The Bible says God inhabits the praise of his people. When you begin to praise him, his atmosphere settles down and he begins to perform. It's an atmosphere. Man, just throughout the day, God, you are my strength. You are, you're with me. I thank you. You care for me. You're providing for me. You're working in me. You thank God for who he is. You thank him for what he's done, but you thank him for what you're anticipating him to do. Would that shift your whole life where you begin to live more by anticipation rather than anxiety? It'd be a way to enjoy your life. So Jesus shows up at the celebration of life, and he finds there a pool. It has a title, Bethesda, the House of Mercy, House of Grace. Great miracles that happen. Can you imagine all the stories we'll hear about in heaven? Like yo, it's by that pool, and then the angel came and started stirring that pool, and I fell into that pool, and I was crippled from birth, but now 50 years of age, I can walk. Those were the kind of stories that would happen when the angel would stir it but the waters did not produce miraculous effects until it was stirred oh can i just tell you by the way the biggest killer in the world is not covid where are you going with this kid what are you going to say biggest killer in the world is mosquitoes They were long here before COVID was ever created. But they're bred in stagnant waters. The biggest thing that kills our lives is when we become stagnant in the areas that matter most that God intends to work miracles in and through our lives, but we're not giving him He says able to do more than what we ask or think, and we're not giving him a lot to do. We're just saying, God get me through the next week. Come on, that ain't no prayer that causes faith. Lord, if I can just make it through a date with my spouse, come on. You know how bad they are. You know how off they are. Come on, somebody. You know how funky the situation is. That don't take no faith. You've got something to work with. Think big. Ask big. Come on. Make something so irresistible that God go, Oh, I got to step into that. They can't pull that off on their own ability. That ain't human. I, they need me. Oh, you, you're asking for my assistance? You want me to turn water into wine? You want me to raise the dead? You want me to cleanse somebody of age? You want to reverse cerebral palsy? A couple weeks ago, my wife and my daughter were both in the room. I'm standing up there. There's was 2,500 people in the room. It was a massive thing. Just two Sundays ago, a boy cerebral palsy, 15 years of age, with braces all over his legs. He was cognitively all functioning. Everything was working. His body would walk like this with a big old, and he had a big old thing, a uh, big walker and a big old brace. And I go, "Why'd you come all the way to the front?" He interrupted the meeting. He goes, "I came to get healed." I go, "For real?" He goes, yeah. I go, you think he could do it for you? He goes, yeah. I go, why? He loved me. He loved me. He didn't even know how to say love. He loved me. He loved. (laughs) I go, let's go for it. I go, can I take away your walker? I'll hold on to you. Can I take away your walker? Because you always have a crutch. But if you're going to believe God, let's remove something that you're always familiar with. Because we all have our thing that we're familiar with. Come on, it's our comfort. Just in case God don't come through. What about life without crutches? Come on. Crutch might be for a season, not a lifetime. So I took away his walker and I go, he's like, okay. I go, come on, let's take a step. And it wasn't all neat at first, but then he started moving. His back started coming into play. That little boy began to take off in front of 2,500 people. He started running and walking in a moment. At prayer, it wasn't like, Lord, help him take a step with his walker. It was God, thank you for freeing him from this because you're still the healer. saying this to boost your faith for a little bit those waters had to be stirred if I were to talk about the waters and who that is in you i was first start with a dreamer what about the dreamer in you is the dreamer in you stirred or is it stagnant a life a culture a church a community is only as good a family is only as good as its dreams if your memories are bigger than your dreams you're not living you're dying if i was to come into your home are there more pictures of where you're going or where you've been Hey, don't touch me like that. If I was to come into your home, I would do it. Would I find, hey, Rex, check out the pictures. Hey, this is what we've celebrated. This is where we've gone. We went on vacation here. We did this. Are there more pictures of where you've been? Are there more pictures of where we're going? And every generation, God looks for dreamers that will dream with him. He came to Abraham, and what did he say? Abraham, come outside, the richest guy in the world, count the stars. Could you imagine the richest guy in the world laying on his back in the middle of a desert going like this? Come on, in dirt, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Could you imagine him like, God, this is stupid. This don't make no sense. God says, I want you to lie back down there and count again. Can you imagine him counting? Come on, he gets into Spanish, he's like, ocho, nueve, doce, once. Could you imagine God, says, it's not enough for me to give you a promise. I had to give you a picture of it where you can dream with me. I want you to imagine on the inside, because that's about how big your life's about to become, Abraham. How many dreams are the energy of progress? Without a dream or a vision, the Bible says we perish. We revert back to less challenging times. Without a dream, you don't have a future. Without a vision, you have nothing to reach for. You settle for where you are. What more can you be? What more will you be? Is God maybe waking up and trying to stir a revival in you if you'll begin to dream, hey, we can create that business. We can create that marriage. We can fix things in our home. Come on, I'm going to get healed. I'm going to get a vision for getting well. I'm going to get a vision for getting strong. I could create a home to help other people that are hurting. I could be able to help other people that are on the street. I can make a difference with my business. I can make a difference with my kids. Was God trying to plant a new picture on the inside of you? Seven times in the scripture, Jesus comes to people and says, what do you see? be asking that for all of us come on what do you see what do you envision for your future you make the vision come on and then the vision makes you well i'm waiting on the lord to give me the vision and the dream brother Really? Because the Bible says the mind of a man plans his way, then God can direct your steps. If you don't plan your way, then you give God nothing to direct and lead and guide you. Maybe you're waiting on God's activity for you to stir, but maybe he's waiting on you to stir up that dreamer inside you and say, Hey, God, I have an idea. Why? Because what you dream about is what you care about. And if you start to look at your God dreams, not just dreams, I'd like a million dollars. That's cool if you got purpose. Come on, things without purpose give you pain. How many know that's true? Come on. Greed will steal your life. It'll eat your life away. It'll steal your soul. But if you have a dream about hurt, I want to heal. Something I want to create. Somebody I want to love. Something I want to build something with. How many know God gets involved in those kinds of dreams? And Jesus took ordinary people, business owners, by the way. Do you know Jesus did not go after any pastors to be his 12 disciples? No worship leaders. No Pharisees, Sadducees, sees, and sees. So blinded by the religion, they couldn't see God in front of them. Sounds like a lot of people I know. They talk about God and they can't see him right in front of their face. Or he didn't take no zealots. He didn't want any political people. He want 12 business owners, people that were willing to bet on himself. Jesus goes, that's the way I'm going to change the whole world. I'm going to create a team of people to revolutionize the world. 12 business owners, people that are willing to step out and dream and create something. Could it be God wants to wake up some Nehemiahs in here to build in a tough time? Why? Because if we're God's people, we don't live by the economy of the world. You don't live by their system. Don't let Trudeau determine your economy. That's like me, let, that's like me letting Trump or letting Biden, who can't ride on a bike, determine my co- my, my economy. Our president falls off the bike every week. I'm just reporting the news. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Smile. Come on. You know I'm telling the truth. (laughs) Why am I going to let them determine my cause? But the Bible says the kingdom of God works through sowing and reaping. I can sow dreams, I can sow economically, I can sow in my time, my energy, and I sow in the things of the kingdom. God determines that kingdom, how that works. I don't wanna play by the rules of the house of the natural system, I wanna play by the kingdom of God because God's kingdom, he will build his church and kingdom and the gates of hell will not prevail. It don't matter what they throw at you next. They could come up with Movid, they could come up with everything else. It will not stop God's kingdom from blessing you because it's not a logical kingdom it's a spiritual kingdom and everyone has access to it I don't gotta have a certain clientele certain pedigree or certain background I my faith in Christ allows me to have access to the kingdom of God man it starts to work with dream Jesus taught his people to dream He started, come on, Peter, come out on the water. Could you imagine a guy walking on the middle of Coltis Lake in the middle of a massive storm? Come on, walk on the water as long as he walks. Come on, teach you to walk. Go out there and start healing people. Could you imagine like Zacchaeus, he was ripping people off. Now he's healing people? He taught his people to think supernaturally. What about the lover in you? Is the lover stagnant or stirred? revival comes from down. God's not going to send a revival. We're watching the revival. We're watching the Jesus revolution. That's awesome. It happened in one man, Lonnie Frisbee, a hippie that got touched by the love of God. And everywhere he went, he started making things different because he had so much love for hurting humanity and what religion rejected, he loved. People that they wrote off, that man had love and a Jesus in his heart, friend. Do you look at your relationships more to get from them or to give to them? If you wanted to, I said this in the women's conference yesterday, trade your expectation for appreciation and all your suffering begins to stop. And I said it with my wife, if my expectations are so high for Katrina, then everything I'm doing is grading her based on doing enough for me to, well, I feel like that's good enough. How many know there's no way for me to love her? All I think I'll do is manipulate and use her. I can't treat her with honor. I can't treat her like Jesus treats the church that nourishes and cherishes her because she's got to meet a certain criteria. How many know my expectations so high and my appreciation so low? There's no way for me to love her. I'm grading her. How many know the lover cannot win then? i become selfish. Lust takes, love gives. This pastor talks about, come on. So then all of a sudden, I'm, what about the lover in you? Are you receiving God's love or are you rejecting it because you don't feel you're worthy of it? I got heaven, but I'm not receiving his love. First John 4:16 says, We've known and received the love that God has. How well are you receiving God's love for you? Receive something would be to take it into yourself. I remember there's a story of a guy by the name in Oregon. He was a pastor of a Presbyterian, I think Presbyterian or something like that church. Very non-denominational or a denominational guy. And he didn't know what to do, he was going into the worst psych, psych center in all of the United States. A hundred of people, like, hardly clothed, clad, there was feces all over the place, there's moans and groans, people tormented by evil things. He didn't know what to do, he was fresh out of Bible school, didn't have, like, a strategy, he thought I'd get in there and try to counsel, he found he could not counsel because they could not communicate. They were bound by horrible things and they were lovely people under a bunch of hurt. How I do mean, know because God don't make junk? There's a treasure in everybody. Don't ever write somebody off. Come on. God put something beautiful in. There's a treasure in everybody. Come on. Put a 10 on somebody's head. Treat them like a 10. They'll act better. Talk to them like they're a champion. They'll act better. Talk to them like they're not strong or what, not weak. Come on. Talk to them like they're strong. That's the way Jesus would do it. So this little boy, didn't, this minister didn't know what to do. And as he, he sat there, he says, he heard the voice of God say, sit in the middle of the room. And all I want you to do is sing that old childhood hymn. He sat in the middle of the room with people with moans and groans, feces everywhere, hardly clad, 100 of the worst patients they had in the United States of America. And he sat there and sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones do him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Maybe I ought to say that again. You put your hand on your heart. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Within one month, people are started to sit around and just started to sing with him. Not one prayer, not one scripture, not one counseling Dr. Phil session. (laughs) Not one fasting, not one deliverance prayer, which I believe in 100%. Because I've had it happen to me and I've delivered it to other people. Not laying hands on the people, which I believe in because that's an opportunity. Just sitting there and singing about the love of God. He did it day in and day out, five days a week for a whole month. And one by one, 30 people sat around and started singing. By the end of six months, 90 per, it was 91 or 92 of the patients were completely back in their right mind. And they had left the facility and were now at self-care and home. And by the end of nine and a half months, only two were left. Not one counseling session. Not one deliverance prayer. Not one offering, not anything else. God can work through all those methods. Because all miracles have a different method. Okay? All he did was sing, yes, Jesus loves me. Imagine if you started saying that. God, because you love me, I thank you that you're supplying contracts for my life. God, I thank you because you love me. My kids are going to be mighty in the land. Did you say not weak in the land, mighty in the land? The scripture says your children shall be mighty in the land. doesn't matter what the government says, the school system says. It doesn't matter who's in power says. God says your children, if you're a believer in me, and a relationship with me, your children. Someone say my kids. It don't matter if they're 48, come on, or they're eight. Your children shall be, not might be, not maybe be, will see be. I've already declared your children to be mighty in the land. It don't matter what they plan. It don't matter what's out there it don't matter how bad the addiction system is or how the homeless situation is your children shall be that's already been declared from heaven somebody ought to sit there and say every day god i thank you my children shall be mighty in the land they're mighty in thought they're mighty in word they're mighty economically they're mighty in their health they're not many they're mighty imagine how different you look at your kids my kid's a mighty woman my 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 son's a mighty man you change the atmosphere watch Watch how powerful. What about the believer inside you? Do you come and just believe, well, I'll get, I'm going to come and hear a word today. If that was your faith, then that's what you got. But maybe your belief was a little bit different. When I go there today, I'm going to light somebody up. I'm going to pray for somebody else and so they're going to get better. I'm going to go there and make somebody a bit different today at College Street Church. I'm not just coming to get something, I'm coming to give something. i my beliefs, because your beliefs determine your breakthroughs. Your beliefs determine your generosity of your time. What you believe is what you receive, Jesus said over and over. The level of your reception is usually connected to your believing system. Your BS, your believing system. Come on. <laughs> Everyone's got believing systems, some BS in their life. I remember we were praying, and I don't know if I've told the story here, but I was with my wife. We were praying for people moving really fast. And I was in Georgia, and I was moving too quick. And I turned around, and I hit this person on the top of their shoulder, and I said, you're a powerful man of God. And I turned around, and it was a woman. <laughs> Pastor Lucinda, that's not the best thing to do when you're, like, a minister. And I looked, and she goes, why would you say that, gorgeous black woman? She goes, why would you say that, Rex? I love you. Why would you say that to me? And I felt God come on me, like, really come on me. And I go, because Jesus says you're a powerful man. Rex, why in the world would you say that to me? Take a step side. This is a true story. I said, because Jesus says you're a powerful man. Why would you say that to me? Because Jesus says you're a powerful man. At the age of four, you had an uncle by the name of Frank. He molested you, and you were afraid of being molested and beaten, abused again. So you traded your masculinity for femininity, and you hid as a feminine person. And that was a place where you wouldn't get beat up and hurt. So you exchanged who you really are for a fake version of yourself, and you're hiding as a woman. And God loves you enough that he wants to break this off you so you don't have to fake yourself out anymore and live as a discount version of you. But you can believe who he made you is significant, and the pain of your past can be broken by believing in his grace today to change that around true story and he lives as a man today a hundred percent and when i when I met him he had he had everything How many know the pain of the past can cause you to believe, well, well, because I failed here, something won't happen. Because I'm not enough here, this won't happen. Because I'm unlovable, maybe I don't want to get into a relationship because I might get hurt or I might get burned. So you hide back some of the best parts of yourself. Because that didn't work out, I don't want to start a business now because you never know. How many know it's not who we are that holds us back, it's who we think we're not? And my beliefs are creating strongholds that the enemy's holding potential captive. What's the number one belief that holds you back the most? I'm not enough. I'll never recover. I deserve the pain that I'm going through. What's the pain? I'll never get healed. What's the belief that holds you back the most, that caused you the most pain that you need to confront with truth? Nobody else can do it for you. It's going to take you getting the truth of God's word. Truth isn't in feelings. Culture wants to tell you you are what you feel. Bull. You are who God says you are. That's why man can't decide your future, God decides your future. Man might label you, they might minimize you, they don't decide your future, God does. And if you can get into agreement with God's Word, this can be the best time in your life. For your family, your home, your mental, emotional state, your physical state, your financial state. Because He'll be your provider, He'll be your healer, He'll be the one that causes you to triumph. He'll be your shield, your defense, your deliverer, He'll connoit you with creative ideas. He gets more glory out of your success. He takes pleasure when you prosper, the scripture says. But when you see the belief and go, hey, what I'm going to become what I believe Jesus said. He said that out of his own mouth in Matthew 9, 29. I need to get the truth of God's word and say, no, that's a lie. I'm not going to believe that anymore. I'm going to believe God loves me. I'm forgiven. I'm not my past. That was my past. The Bible says, know now that all things are made new because of what Jesus has done in the work of the cross. Some of you need to see yourself new, not old, come on, with a bunch of grace on you to go to heaven, but you've been made new. Well, you know, my wife, a long time ago, she said, hey, talk to me about some of your baseball days and stuff. I don't talk about my past. That Rex died. We already signed the death certificate on him. His sins and failures were buried in the blood of Jesus, March 7, 1996, 8.44 p.m. That Rex was history. That Rex went through a death and a burial. Some of the old thoughts still went there until I changed my believing and my thinking. But that night, Christ let me become a new creation. Where I was once a sinner, I'm no longer a sinner, I'm righteous. Where I once was deceived, I'm no longer deceived, I'm in the light of the truth of God's word. Where I once was deceived and foolish, lustful, angry, bitter, all the things that you can imagine under the sinful umbrella. That every humanity is. You're dead in our sins when we're born. Physically alive but spiritually dead. But the moment that Christ becomes your Savior, the Bible says now I'm spiritually alive and now I'm the righteousness of God. When you get that kind of a belief inside you, you'll stop tolerating things the enemy throws your way. I ain't going to accept that negativity in my home. I'm the righteousness of God. I ain't accepting that depression. You might have come here to stay, but you're not coming to stay. You're coming to pass. Get the hell out. I'm the righteousness of God. I have a right to peace. I might have got a diagnosis that I had diabetes you might have come and give me that diagnosis but God's Word says that bless the Lord oh my soul forget not his benefits he forgives my sins and heals all my diseases I I'm the righteousness of God I have a right to healing I have a right to an abundant life not a small life this is gonna get in somebody's spirit well I'm just trying to just trying to make it to heaven really you weren't even made for heaven why are you trying to get there so fast did the Bible say you fell from heaven or you fell from the glory of God because of sin the glory of God's the Holy Spirit Jesus died so you could have the Holy Spirit back inside your heart so you know you weren't even made for heaven heaven was only created because man failed you were created for the earth that's why you're not in heaven today don't you think if God wanted you in heaven you'd be there you think you can't do that? Translated Enoch. Translated Elijah. Hello, somebody. God's able to do that if he wanted to. He has you on earth because you were made to do something great on this planet to reflect his image and live the abundant life. That abundant life does not mean you don't have challenges. Let's be really clear. Faith doesn't make things easy. It makes things operative impossible. In your life, Paul said, everywhere I go, I have effectual doors of opportunity for abundance, but there's many adversaries. Maybe some of your adversaries are great signs to you that the enemy fears you so much from stepping into a new place. that Maybe that's why you're getting such resistance. So he's trying to get you to stop stepping forward so to get you to revert to a less challenging time so you don't use your faith anymore. You're just waiting on God. Oh, I'm just going to wait. You'll be waiting a long time. Two-thirds of God's name is go. The other two-thirds of his name is do. God is very action-oriented in your life. Make a move, Rex. Give an offering, become a tither, love people generously, empower women, empower people to stand up. I know in culture that's not sexy right around here because the Mennonite culture says we don't empower women. Well, go look in the New Testament. God anointed women prophets in the church. How do you explain that? If I really blew your lid, there is only reference two times of pastors in the New Testament. God built his church on apostles and prophets, not pastors. That will mess your whole theology up real fast. It's in there. Just go look. I flunked out of Bible college. I found it out. He came to a pool and moved fast. Watch. He came there and there was a man for thirty-eight years had been in that situation, and Jesus sat there and watched him. Could he be watching you? Could he be watching you? Come out. Jesus didn't go and start healing him. He said, he just watched him. Watching the man sit there. And then he said to him, he goes, you've been in that situation a long time, 38 years. He's known he- he'd been in that condition. And he asked him a question. Jesus mastered the art of conversation. He asked him a question. The one who's the truth, and omniscient, and omnipresent. He knows everything. Ask a question. How many want God ask a question to you? He's not looking for you to inform him of the answer. Yeah. Just saying. It's not like, oh, you're going to feed me some fresh insight. Come on, this is good. Jesus said, do you want to become well? What kind of question is that to ask to somebody who's been ill for a long time, hurting for a long time, struggling for a long time? Maybe that's like a little, that's not empathetic, Rex. Maybe Jesus isn't empathetic. Maybe he's compassionate. Big difference. When I spoke for uh, Facebook, they were all into empathy. But empathy locks you into a condition. Compassion tor- forces you to do something about your condition. It doesn't lock you into an identity based on your condition. It forces you to do something different to change your life. Compassion acts. Empathy just locks you in. That's too sucks to be you. Oh, that's too bad to be hurting. Poor you. Poor you. No, no. The Bible's in poor news. It's good news. Jesus said, good news I bring to you. There's a lot of poor news people out there. Come on, you can listen to them on the loop. Oh, COVID numbers are rising. BS. Jesus numbers are rising. Hope's rising. Healing's rising. Look at what was happening at College Street. Breakthroughs are rising. Salvations are rising. Blessing. We had two people get cars here. Come on, blessings of cars in the last couple. Finances are increasing. Businesses are growing. Different system. Maybe that's why he says, don't be conformed to the world's system. Don't play by their rules of the house. If you're going to go gamble, you have to know how to gamble by the rules of the house. Economy means rules of the house. Don't play by the world's economy. Live by my economy. Whatever you sow is what you reap. Watch how powerful. Jesus goes, do you want to become well? Not everybody does. I remember a woman getting out of a wheelchair for the very first time in her life, and she had never stood up, and I went to go pray for her, and I'm like, let's go for it. And she didn't get the whole thing, I'm just telling you the truth. It wasn't like all, oh my gosh, she got this miracle and she was running around. It wasn't like that. I went up to her and I go, do you want to get out? And she goes, yes. Beautiful, beautiful Asian woman. I go, come on, let's go for it. And her mom goes, pray for her mind. (laughs) I'm like, your daughter's in a wheelchair. Wouldn't you want to give me a shot at giving your daughter a chance? There's a healing gift on my life. Strong healing gift. People get healed everywhere I go. Because of Jesus, not because of Rex. I asked him for it. A gift, by the way, does not reveal maturity. My character reveals maturity. Character is how I treat you, how I treat money, how I treat my family, how I do things behind the scenes, my integrity, what I watch, what I listen to. That's my character. Come on. Character. Gifts are just gifts. Gifts from the Holy Spirit are gifts that you need on earth. You don't need them when you get to heaven. What do you need a gift of heaven when you get to he- What do you need a gift of healing when you get to heaven for? You need it on earth when people are hurting. Come on. They're God's love language to humanity. Don't despise them. Say those days are past. Then that means the Holy Spirit's past. And if you do that, you're in a lot of trouble. I said, Do you want to get up? Yeah. And she goes to her mom, pray for her mind. I said, No, I'm going to pray for her body. I got her up and we were holding her up and it was jerky. She's telling you the truth. It was very jerky. But she stood up and her first time, she was looking down at her legs. It was like Forrest Gump. You know what I mean? Like from the movie. When he's looking down at his legs in front of Jenny, he's like, oh, You know, he's like, Look at his legs. She was looking at her legs. I'm standing. She should have been celebrating. She can't stand, and now she's at least standing. That's improvement. Come on. Her mom goes, pray for her mind. Pray for her mind. I couldn't figure out. I was like, shut up. (laughs) Of course, in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Hey, there was times Jesus went and started turning people's chairs over and stuff in church. He got a little bothered. So I said, I go, you want to take a step? Yeah, it was a step and it was jerky. She didn't get her full manifestation of her healing, but she took a step. How many know that faith pleased God? And here's this girl, hasn't been able to move her body. She's taking steps and it's jerky, but she's using her faith, and that's improvement. That's growth. It's steps. And her mom the whole time going, pray for her mind. Sit down. I wanted to sit down. And finally, I got in the back, and I was so frustrated because she didn't get her full healing mat. I was like, told the pastor, I go, hey, what's the deal with pray for her mind, pray for her mind? Oh, the government of Canada, they support her mom and her dad because she's so brilliant. She's able to have this high paying job sponsored by the government. They give her Mercedes. They pay for her housing. The mom and dad don't have to work. They sit and they live off the brilliance of her brain, but it's all because of the based on the condition of her paralysis and her handicapped. So as long as she stays handicapped, they don't got to work or do anything with their life and they live off of her handicap. If she gets healed they got to go back to work and live if you want to get healed you might have to forgive if you want to get if you want to get healed you might have to say i'm challenged in an area and got to stand up and say i need support and need some strength if you want to get delivered you might have to say so hell talk to somebody and say you know what i'm tired of living this way i'm tired of living in bondage i'm tired of living panic attacks i'm tired of being depressed i went to somebody when i was going through stuff said i need you to pray for me I need someone to help, but sometimes you just have to say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Are you determined to get well? Jesus asks you, are you determined to live a blessed life? Are you determined to be full of hope? Are you determined because there's opposition to your mission? Are you determined? You got enough reasons. You got enough reasons to get well. I asked a blind woman with my daughter. She was She brought this blind woman to me in the back. This is back uh, back some months ago. And my daughter was in the back, and they were non-Christian people from New York. And they had a good mouths on them. Come on, they were cussing like crazy. And they go, you got so much hope on you. But she was blind in a big old brace. And I go, do you want to get your eyesight back? She goes, you think that could happen? And I go, I know it can happen. And I go, would you want to see again? She goes, yeah. And I go, why? She goes, I don't do too good at being blind. <laughs> it's a true story. I go, OK, let's give it a shot. I go, well, I need you to stand up. I can't stand up. You can't or you won't. can't or won't can't or won't? you got enough reasons to get well well I don't I can't I can't stop saying I can't miracles come in cans come on misery comes when I say I can't it's a lid of what I won't do that's unbelief I don't believe you enough God so I'm not standing if you want to do it you can do it in other words I'm proving I'm God in my life not you if you want to then you'll really just do it on your own That attitude, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to people humble enough to say, I need you. I'm willing to try, I'm willing to step out, I'm willing to do something. Every one of us could get a little bit low so we could go high, huh? Every one of us could exalt, come on, not exalt ourselves, but humble ourselves under God's hand. Watch how powerful. So she goes, okay, and I said, Jesus, open her eyes. Pop, her eyes open, and they started cussing like sailors. What the, I can't see, I can't see. I can't believe it i can see total jesus style meeting i felt right at home and the woman got her eyesight and not only that she walked out with her back brace and the pastors led her to her car and she'd been that way for two years completely pitch black blind but she was willing to take a stand jesus said to the man i want you to rise take up your bed and walk i end with this and i pray for people walk. I want you to rise. Nothing had changed on the outside. All he had was a word from God. If all you have is a word from God, one word from God's enough. Does anybody got a word from God in here? Do you have a word of God? I have a word from God coming from my family. Do you have a word from God from your family? Because when we go out of here we're not together. We're not just saying amen and praise the Lord. Do you got a word from God that you're going to stand on? Do you got a word from God that's going to be a light to you when things are dark? Do you got a word from God that it's going to be you're going to be well when things are a little bit hurting in your life? And I was with my friend, um, a guy who was an actor, a friend of ours, uh, Marshall. And we were walking in the middle of Hollywood at the time. And we came across a guy that was smoking a joint. And he was in a wheelchair. I just met this gentleman, Marshall. He was doing a movie with Bruce Willis. And I had a chance to lead him into a relationship with Christ. And so we he's a brand-new Christian. And we were walking down the side of the road. And we come across this guy. And he's smoking a joint. And Marshall goes, hey, let's go give this guy let's go give this guy a piece of pizza. I'm like, all right. So we walked over there. We started a conversation. I go, hey, what's your name? He goes, my name's Eddie the Pothead. I go, for real, is that your name? He goes, Al, I've always been a mess up. You know, I'm just Eddie the pothead. No one really cares about how I live and who I am. I'm just Eddie the pothead. I go, do you like being Eddie the pothead? He goes, well, I don't know how to be anybody else. I've always been this way. I go, well, you look like you're in a little bit of pain. I say, could I help you? He goes, well, what do you got? You got some magical powers? I go, something like that. If I would have told him, brother, don't say that. I'm a man of the cloth. How do you know he's going to be like, he's smoking weed. Come on, somebody. He's already seeing double, and he smelled like a skunk. So I said, I go, no, I go, I would go, but I can help you. And he goes, what are you going to do? I go, well, do you mind if I pray for you, and you're going to feel power go through your body? It's going to be God's power, and it's going to bring healing all throughout your back. He goes, do I have to throw out my joint? I go, no, just don't smoke it when I pray. I got a deal, and he goes, "Okay." My friend Marshall was sitting there holding the pizza, and this conversation went on for a while. It started off; the pizza was straight. By the end of the whole conversation, the oil was dripping. It was all limp and bent. (laughs) He's just an act. He just accepted Christ. He don't know nothing. And he's watching. He's like, "Oh my gosh!" So I go, "Jesus, if you're anywhere around the neighborhood, help my friend Eddie." And then he's like, "The pothead." (laughs) I'm like, "No, you ain't help Eddie." And I go, thank you, God, for flowing through His body. You're the healer. Amen. And I go, move your body. I feel all this heat and this energy. I'm up. What'd you do to my back? Like, what's going on in my back? I said, Are you for real? Is that the joint, or is it my prayers? I was actually asking an honest question. He goes, I'm going to stand up. I go, stand up. He stood up. He goes, What happened to all that pain? He starts moving. What happened to all that pain? It wasn't my great prayer of faith? I said, Jesus, if you're anywhere around the neighborhood. How great a prayer of faith is that? I mean, you know Maybe God's just looking for your availability, not for all your ability. I love people, so I take shots at it. I don't care. I already lost all my, my identity in that. I lost it in him. Because it really doesn't care what you say about my life. At the end, it cares what he says about my life. And one day when I stand before him, I go, you're, yeah, you, you're my kid. You did it the way I did it. You, you went after it. I want to hear him say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, you're my kid. You did it right." I remember this guy, and he starts taking steps all around. He's holding his joint, and he's looking at his wheelchair. What'd you do to my back? He's crying, and he goes, "He goes, can that God do anything for my soul? If He healed my back, can He do anything for my heart? Can He do anything for my soul? Can He do anything for my spirit? I don't want to be Eddie the Pothead anymore. I have to convince him. I have to do a ten-point sermon." I don't want to be Eddie the Pothead. Can, I, can he heal my heart? Can he heal my soul? I go, yes. Who is he? I said, his name's Jesus. He's alive. I'll take him. <laughs> I didn't lead him in a big old prayer. Come on. I'll take him. I want him. I got him. And he started to pull his wheelchair just away from us. I got him, Rex. I got him. I go, where are you going? I'm going to go live my new life. I'm no longer Eddie the Pothead. I got him. He walked down the street toward Hollywood Boulevard. Marshall holding the pizza, all limp and bitter with the thing falling down off the ground. Marshall's eyes were like this, like, what the heck just happened? And that guy took off in his wheelchair, pushing his own wheelchair that he came in. Why? Because he was willing to step. Maybe he doesn't take a jump today. Maybe he needs to take a step. Where is God asking you to use your faith and take a step? Faith without works is only an idea. But when things change, when you take a step, someone say a step, come on, a step, someone say a step. Put your hand on your heart, say, God, I thank you that you love me. Give me a little bit of sound behind me, some music behind me. Say, God, I thank you that you love me. Thank you that you brought me this far to not just bring me this far. All eyes closed, just say, God, I thank you my future's better than my past. I use my faith today. In my faith, in you, Jesus, the only true God, allows me to receive forgiveness of all my sins. Healing of everywhere I hurt. Hope everywhere where I've not been able to see hope. Jesus, come in my life anew and afresh. You're going to feel him. There he comes. Boom. Start flowing through people, Jesus. Be healed in people's emotions, your conscience, your subconscious. Be healed in your heart where you've been disappointed. Be healed all throughout your soul. People in here, God's going to restore your soul. You can handle three minutes of this and you're still going to be able to go have lunch on time just put your hands on your heart and say god thank you that you're healing me today let him heal you today let him love you today let him be good to you today jesus i thank you for restoring people's minds people's minds that have been foggy and clogged i thank you god for fusing neurons and lord opening their neurons of their brain that healing would happen neurologically Healing would happen in people's lymphatic system, their immune system today, people that have a weakened immune system. I pray supernatural strength over people's immune system today. Thank you for bringing healing and removing plaque from people's hearts that have had racing heartbeats. And Lord abnormal heartbeats hearts that have skipped I thank you for bringing creative healing miracles in people's physical hearts the atrium valve Lord I thank you for touching that valve atrium valve Lord bringing healing all through that area also thank you for opening up Lord veins that have been constricted that blood would begin to flow Lord on people's arms and legs varicose veins would be healed today I thank you for bringing healing Lord into people's Lord I thank you Lord they're their legs i thank you for bringing healing into people's legs osteoporosis today bringing healing in people's teeth people that have had pain in their mouth abscess or lord pain in their teeth i thank you for bringing healing today there lord i thank you for doing it in the name of jesus and i also thank you that lord for two people in here today that they've been thinking and contemplating ending their life and taking it early i thank you for restoring hope because they still got a great destiny And so he canceled that plan of suicide to end your life early. I thank you that that plan gets cut off today because you got a great hope and a great future for every individual. You're the God of all hope. And I thank you there's someone in in our men's center that's watching online and the Lord is healing you. You felt hopeless and there's no way out because you've committed a lot of You've made a lot of choices that put you in a little tough position. God's going to begin to clear things out for you, even in the legal system. And he's going to give you a brand new opportunity and they're going to see his favor on your life. And they're going to notice a great difference that's happening in your life. And you're going to tell them that God's working and I have hope and I'm going to be a different person. And God's favor is going to shut down the critical minds against you. And he's going to give you a brand new start. And I feel that someone in our men's home that's watching online right now. I thank you, Jesus. You're the God of new beginnings. In your beautiful name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for tuning in today. And thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time we